This is a podcast about our lived experience, which unfortunately includes infant death and subsequent mental health struggles. Please take good care of yourself and only listen if this content feels safe for you right now. We'll still be here when you're ready. The death of my son, moving three times in six months, my parents' divorce, my husband's job loss. I was, you know, 12 weeks postpartum, my then husband, came out to me as transgender. And just a couple weeks later, um, our son. So you've had two jobs, five moves, two pregnancies, <laughs> in the span of like seven or eight months, yeah? When it rains, of course. Are you okay? Hello, everybody, and welcome to As Long As I'm Living. We have a very special episode for you today. I'm going to set the scene. I am in Washington, D.C. at Judith's house, and I am in Judith's bed. And Judith is here with me. There's also a pupper named Rosie at our feet. And there's a third human with us today. And that human is Aiden's dad. Judith's husband and Aiden's dad. Would you like to say hi? Hi, everyone. I'm Aiden's dad. (laughs) There he is. Sorry, I'm trying. Alina told me I had to be more active on our Instagram stories. (laughs) Judith's Judith's posing on Instagram for you all. Because she told me she asked me to, so I did it. Yeah. Okay. I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Aiden Sad is here. Our pupper is here, Rosie. <laughs> Everyone is here. I know it was helpful. Like you really asked, you basically asked us questions. You asked Haley's, Haley questions. Yeah. And I think we'll try to do the same format. Oh, sorry. The only question I have for Aiden Zad. You can say <laughs> for my, my husband. husband because we are still in a relationship. <laughs> Unless something question... changed prior to this podcast. No, the only I'm... question I have for Aiden's dad for my husband. Because <laughs> I would like, if possible, if you could share, like, the story of this past year from your perspective. Like, kind of set the scene from where you stand. Because I think our audience has heard a lot of it from where I stand. So, start wherever you want to start. Um, I guess a hard one to consider in part because the answer is that, I mean, this year has certainly felt like... Um, longer than my entire life. Yeah. Would you start the beginning of the story when Aiden died, or would you say from the minute we moved to LA or when we found out we like we were pregnant? Like, where does the story start for you, even? I'd say, obviously, life changes when you find out you're going to have a baby. That's right. that's one thing. But as far as major impacts and and like radical shifts of in my life, I'd say, you know. March 4th was much more impactful and just sort of immediately saying like, wow, you, everything's up in the air. You don't know what's going on and you're going to have to figure yourself and your life out now. Yeah. Um, And you're desperately sad. There's a lot going on, a lot of emotions to process at the same time. And I guess the difficulty of having a lot of emotions at once is it becomes confusing to, to parse out how you're dealing with each one and whether you're feeling that feeling because of grief or trauma, are you feeling that feeling just because it's hard to do other stuff at the same time as dealing with grief and trauma? You know, do I not like that is the funny part. Life still goes on. Even when you've had a a huge loss and trauma, there's still a whole life that you have to also keep living somehow. Do I hate the job? Do I want to change careers? Do I want to change where I'm living? Or is it just that I'm having a hard time and, the rest of what I'm processing is sort of making it hard um, to 
do the daily things that mm-hmm. you'd otherwise do normally. I think one of the things that was really hard for us is because it wasn't just the job. It was like where you're living day to day. It's like everything changed. It wasn't just you're dealing with one thing to be like, do I even like this? Do I want this? It's like we kept moving all the time. And then your job situation changed and mine did. So it was like, I don't know. I, I'm asking. I'm not assuming. Did you feel like, I don't know what I want or what I like about anything anymore? Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of, I mean, we, we knew that where we were living was a temporary situation and we kind of had ideas of where we'd end up next. So hang on, just as a refresher for anybody who maybe has doesn't remember your story, yeah. does either one of you want to just kind of share? Yeah, well, I asked it, you to share the story. You don't have to go into detail. detail. Judith, maybe do like the 10 second. Okay, I'll give the 10 second cliff notes. We moved to Los Angeles in November because I was due with Aiden in December. Then Aiden was born um, in December and my husband started a job in January. And I would say this is a job that you've been working for, like towards for many, many years. This was like in the works for a lot of years. It was like a reflection of how well you did in your schooling and it was like a culmination of a lot of factors. Um, You started that job like the end of January Aiden died on March 4th. Then we moved in with my parents right after Aiden died. So we were living with my parents. You were living with your in-laws, which I'm sure is a challenge in its own. Um, and then your job, you guys part ways. And then that was like right after I decided to permanently leave my job. And then um, we moved out of my parents' house. My parents announced that they were separating. We moved five times in three months. Like, And then you got a new job. And that's how we ended up here in D.C. Did I miss anything? Oh, I got pregnant. Oh, and I got pregnant again. Oh, yeah. Sorry, well, I, I got pregnant again. So that was it. So we had like a billion moves. We lived. You lived with your in-laws. Your <laughs> wife had a baby. She was postpartum. Then your baby died. Then she became pregnant again. Then you had to find a new job. So you had two jobs, five moves, two pregnancies <laughs> in the span of like seven or eight months. Yeah? When it rains, of course. Yeah, Are exactly. you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> Not really. But Did I get that story right? Did I miss anything? Okay, got it. Okay. Okay, so... People have heard, people know Judith pretty well. So I think my first question for you would be, how did it feel? And we'll talk about you. We can talk about you more in a second. But how did it feel to watch Judith go through all of that as someone who adores her? It's it's clear to me. By the way, I want to say this is my first time meeting Judith's husband. And one of the things that is so striking about meeting, like seeing you two together is you adore each other. Aww. It's so obvious. So how did it feel to watch they're high-fiving how did it feel to watch judith go through what you guys have gone through i mean it's hard clearly i i think i like knowing that i can be there for judith and try and help her and to whatever extent i can take care of her when needed it's obviously harder to do that as well when you're also going through something like it wasn't just judith was going through something we both were so it was hard Mm -hmm. for me to have the bandwidth and capacity to even offer myself to help her out and to see the person you love so much suffering uh, and, you know, knowing you can't really help both because that's just like nothing's really going to help so much. And also, I if only I had the capacity to do that, but I can't. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. It, it makes the process hard because the person you love so much is clearly, I mean, you're still living together. You're seeing them go through such a hard time. You walk in and they're on the floor. Um, <laughs> You know, Our listeners know how much time we spend on the floor. It's, yeah. it's great to know that there's something she can do to help herself, but to know that like it's only helping a little bit and I can't help more, it's hard to see that. Mm-hmm. 
You can't help more because you yourself don't have the capacity and because there's nothing to do. And to the extent that I can help when, I, when I'm feeling better and more up to things, I, I do, whether it's even just simple things like being the person to take care of groceries, laundry, or food or whatever. It's like, good, that's one less thing clouding your mind on a hard day. Um, but, but the day is still only 5% better if it's, and if yeah. you're going mm-hmm. through a tough spot, that's, there's nothing that I can offer. Mm-hmm. So, so last night, while, while I've been here in DC, we've been doing some setup of this new baby's nursery and we've gone shopping. And one of the things that you and I talking about last night at the store was that so much of the baby gear and the advertising and all of that is geared toward the mom. And I have noticed in the lost community, so much of the support and everything is geared toward the the mom, you know, the gestational parent. And I want to know, like, what does it feel like? And you don't have to go into any amount of detail if you don't. Whatever amount of detail you want to share is what I would like to hear. What does it feel like to be the father, the grieving father? Like, do you find that there's enough support for you? Do you feel like, how does it feel different than what you see Judith going through? I mean, I mean, so much of that is cultural that it's hard to tell. Like, I think it's clear we both have a lot of trauma and grief to process, but I would not necessarily go to Instagram and type in grief podcast because I have never seen anything remotely like that marketed towards. So me. you're not going to reach out to a, a random lost dad on Reddit and then fly to New Hampshire to it's meet just, with him. Yeah. I mean, so much of that is just how do we process grief and what do we expect that to look like? What do we expect just in general social interaction to look like? Do you also feel like you don't need that? Like you also do. You, the question is like, do you feel like the lost community isn't catering to you as the parent? Or do you feel like I just genuinely don't need it because I'm doing it differently? It's hard for me to know. It's also hard for me to assess that because if if I was seeing other people offering something to Mm -hmm. help or to know that that's what they were doing, then maybe I would look to that. But it's not there and it's not advertised to me. It does not displayed in any way on Reddit, Instagram or otherwise, really, or at least not Mm -hmm. that I've seen. So why would I even think to process it that way? Mm-hmm. So much of it is just, I have to take care of it in individual therapy or just by myself or try and talk it out with friends or something. But it's not like the assumption is I build a support group and I talk to them on a very regular basis about this one particular thing or that I listen to things to try and process mm-hmm. my grief through whatever it is, a podcast mm-hmm. or a group. So how, how are you processing? We always talk on this podcast, Judith and I, process grief so similarly. And when we had Kaylee on, it's, it was obvious that she processes, has processed this loss so differently. She is much more someone who processes internally and she is avoidant and all this stuff. And it's so different from how we are. I think Judith and I almost to a fault are like, got to yeah. feel all these feelings. We're yeah. like running toward it and like ripping feelings open and like putting our heads inside of them. Like, yeah. and I know that I would almost say most people are not like that. I think it's more common to do things differently. So if you are comfortable sharing, I would love to hear how you feel like you're processing this. Sure. I'd say it probably would depend on who you're with. Cause if I was by myself, I imagine I would be more avoidant and just process it super internally. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you live in the same house as someone who is 
constantly drilling you on to your current <laughs> emotional status. And even if it's not about you, just let me sit down and explain how I'm feeling. Um, you know, it's sort of, it's like having someone else's therapist live with you. So it's like the discussions are happening and I know to think about them. Maybe it's not geared towards me, but at least the, 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 the communication and the, the language is there. You feel like because I've been so open and like overly expressive about my grief that you feel like you've developed a vocabulary to communicate yours. And just that 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 is a regular part of my day. Do you it's, think that's helpful for you and not helpful? I think it, Do you it's, like it or do you hate it? I think it is <laughs> difficult at times, but I think in general it's important to like have a segment of your day to assessing how you're feeling and what it would mean to make the tomorrow a better day and for yourself. Um, and part of that is having someone who's having those discussions with you. What I've heard in that sentence is that you love it. And you're so <laughs> grateful to have me. And we moved into a larger space now. So you can stay on one floor. And then for 20 minutes a day, I'll have my mini Your Therapy session, which will help me process it. But do you think it helps? I think I think it is important to have uh, yes it, it's yeah. important to have those small just sort of checkups and discussions because otherwise you do become avoidant and then you're not processing it at all. Right. I, I I think I am be just by virtue of who I've been my whole life the type of person to process things more you know in a personal individual intellectual yeah that's just my style yeah and just how I approach things like I, I am pretty self aware and I do evaluate how I'm feeling. Um, it is not a matter of pushing it off. It's just, you know, I have to I have to think through things in my way, and that takes time, but it, it's a more personal process. Yeah. Um, and it can be hard to do that, so whereas if no one was checking up on me, I might avoid it, but it's a helpful reminder to be like, oh, I see that my wife is having these feelings and she's talking about them. We have a discussion. That's my daily reminder to, you know, continue my own process yeah you say oh am i having those feelings and then you can say no i'm not <laughs> or yeah. yes i am yeah, yeah basically or or what does it mean to have those feelings how does that impact our relationship what should i be focusing on is this an easy thing for me a hard thing for do me? you feel like our relationship okay one of the things to mind if i ask a question uh, you oh yeah when aiden first died how many people said to us how many people said to us like you can't let this ruin your marriage like you this is a horrible thing to lose your son but you now is the time where you have to cling to one another or else you're going to lose your marriage too. Can I just say, can I just say I got a lot of that also, which was extremely painful. Yeah. (laughs) Knowing that we were separating. That was like really rough. But anyway, yes. Right. How many people said that to us? I mean, a lot. A lot. So so much of, especially people who are in your community who like are aware of you, but most of your existence to them is like, you are a family unit for us. So we don't really care about, your individual sense of self, but like, as long as you're a family, hopefully, you know, they'll say, we hope you stay together and uh, you should cling to each other and, you know, don't worry, you'll have kids again in the future. Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, is it just because you want to have more families in your community? Cause I'm not really getting a sense that you care how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> but if I could send another kid to day school with your kid, but I, I guess do, you'll feel better. About I yourself. do hear what they're saying and that I do think that for some couples that, if okay because if let's say i'm somebody who relies on you for support for my grief you are not my grieving partner like you're not and i think that that's really like a strength of ours that i don't rely on you for that and you don't have to provide me with that because you a don't want to and can't and do it differently but if i was looking to you for support 
and you weren't able to give it to me and vice versa, then I think it would be a huge, there'd be a huge problem. Like it would be a big chasm in our relationship. So it's kind of like, I think the fact that we're both able to recognize that we can love and support one another for 90% of the things, but this is actually one thing that we are not going to lean on each other for. I think that that's been one way that we've been able to stay so strong, but I don't want to assume that we stay so strong. I want to ask you, like, do you feel like, where do you feel our relationship is now compared to where it was a year ago? I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that we have great communication skills and a really strong and beautiful relationship. I think. Do you feel like we've become like a stronger relationship? I'm, in a lot of ways, yes, because every time we go through anything difficult, obviously nothing in the past has been nearly as hard, but it's just sort of knowing that we've developed the skills to move past difficult things and stay together is a very powerful thing. Um, and just us being able to acknowledge like, hey, if we're both going through a hard time, maybe instead of dragging each other down, we just, whether it's, you know, whether it's paying people to help us out yeah. uh, in various things, not just therapy, like practically just like, Maybe you need the, the better movers or something to take that thing off of your um, plate. Where should I send my bill for my services? Yeah, exactly. Services? <laughs> you know, we don't want to get paid. Yeah, who charges the higher hourly rate between the two of you? You just swap. Maybe you can get a um, tax credit. Honestly, on that note, how does it feel? Because Judith was just saying, like, you guys don't like she doesn't rely on you exclusively for grief support and i know you do rely on me a lot for grief support and vice versa yeah. how does it feel to know that some of your wife's like deepest most intense feelings are are being shared with who is essentially an internet stranger if it works it works i mean there are many i thought you were gonna say like yeah great take it yeah i mean <laughs> it's almost like i wish i could shoulder that burden myself but that's just unrealistic mm -hmm. it's like I want to be uh, your friend, your support system, your therapist, your doctor, uh, your psychiatrist. You're like, no, that's unrealistic. Yeah. Why, what's wrong with having other people part of your circle? Like, more friends, the better. Like, I'm sorry. Can we pause for a second? Because Rosie, it's we have snoring. a dog on the bed and Rosie is snoring. So listeners, Rosie, if you hear what sounds like... Puppy, could you not sleep so deeply? We have a very happy, sleepy yeah, dog who is so tired. Who is snoring so loud right near where we're recording. Also part of our sphere of support circles. Yeah, Rosie. Uh, Rosie has been integral to our, our emotional yeah, health. Yeah, seriously, we love Rosie. And she hasn't billed us once. Yeah, no, we paid for her a lot of times. <laughs> but she's very sweet. We love her. Anyway, okay, sorry, what was the next question? Um, what is something that has surprised you? about grief and you can take as long as you want to think about it because I, i'll just cut out the dead air hmm. i mean all of it i haven't experienced grief before i mean i was just I, i'd say like on the initial like when things first happen just i'm typically very introverted pretty muted emotionally uh i'm not super emotionally expressive unless i'm specifically communicating something with judith just like to work through things or whatever um but just to feel the depth of emotion that i felt when when we lost aiden like that was shocking that was surprising <laughs> to feel the depth of that pain and and sadness that's not something i normally would <laughs> even knew that i had in me um so you certainly discover more about yourself, not that that's what you want to experience, but just to know that that is there and that's possible. Would you say that you felt all of the like typical 
we don't subscribe to those stages of grief model where they come in order, but would you say you felt all of those things, the, the denial, the bargaining, the anger, the depression, would you say you felt all of those things? I mean, definitely like anger, depression, that sort of sadness. I, I don't know about bargaining because I, I, I just have, I guess, a certain finalistic, fatalistic outlook on mm -hmm. a lot of things. Um, so it's like, I can't, help what has happened there's nothing i can do at this point mm -hmm. um but absent the personal life philosophies like just the range of emotions and just the cycle of emotions certainly there were just so much so many feelings that just overwhelm you how are you feeling judith i don't want to know i'm so emotional <laughs> i wake up to that sound every morning <laughs> Yeah. Are you I, just feeling a big feeling right I now? I just feel like it's not fair that it happened to him. Yeah. Like, I feel like for me, not that I can understand why this happened to me, because, like, obviously I can't, but I just feel like it, it just feels unfair that it happened to you. Yeah. There's no fairness. There's just reality, and we yeah. try and take care of ourselves the best we yeah. can. I feel like I was set up for success in this though like because i've been going to therapy for years i was the one who really wanted to get pregnant like i was the one i feel like i was the one like driving this you know this whole thing and so it feels like um it just feels like I, not that i like dragged you into it but i definitely feel like okay like this was a risk and you were the one who was so risk averse you know like you said to me so many times like this is so scary, you know? And when Aiden was alive, you were so careful. Like, not that I wasn't careful, but, like, oh. you really were, like, to a T, you know? Like, measuring things and calculating things and, like, you wanted to burp him in the perfect way. Like, you really were afraid something. Like, you were really, like, just conscious. And I felt like, like, I was, like... Well, I say fair. yeah. Yeah, I just feel like I, I didn't have that same, like, urge to be extra, extra, extra careful. Not that I wasn't careful, just, like, like if the bottle had been out for more than, like, 30 minutes, I would throw it away and, like, get a new one just because he wants to be careful. And I was like, I mean, come on. How bad could it be? You know, it's been 35 minutes, but you were just really, you wanted to do everything right. And I think that I was the one who really pushed having kids and starting right now. And it just feels, like, unfair that I, like, you were worried about it and then you were right. I'd say two things. One, uh, it's important to acknowledge each other's agency. I certainly consented to every choice that we made. Yeah, I know. Um, so it is not a, a choice that was made just by you. You might have been a motivating factor, um, but we make our choices together. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's just our life together. Um, and two, on the bright side, now you know my anxieties. <laughs> so yeah. you can totally help me out. <laughs> We'll try again, and in the meantime, we'll just leave a really bad Yelp review. <laughs> so, like, what do you feel? Where would you say was the bottom of like the hole when you're like, oh my god, this is the absolute worst. Life cannot get worse. This is the worst moment. There's nowhere to go. I mean, very shortly after it happened, would usually be the bottom because there was no processing. There was no let's feel like how can we help each other? How can we see that life does move on? It was just like. Well, shit.
do you remember like mama like i was telling her i told the podcast the story when i threw the wedding cake on the walls like, do you remember <laughs> a moment where you were just like overwhelmed with that feeling of like oh my god my life is so bad how did this happen i mean i don't have i feel like your emotional roller coaster has way higher highs and more pronounced lows mine will just be like a day or a week where it's just like, if I jumped off a bridge right now, I'd be cool with it. Like, that's fine. Like That is a very relatable feeling. Yeah. It, it's not like ups and downs. It's just like, hmm, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, my entire thought process for the past three days has just been like, I don't care. Like, So what I always say is that I would relish, especially in the beginning, I would say that I would relish the opportunity to be dead. Not that I wanted to kill myself, but just that it would be a relief. Right? Yeah. Because it's just so bad. Is that how you feel? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like in general, emotionally, I'm not like a super peppy, happy person. So it's like, okay. Are you a wallower? I, I don't wallow in things, but it's more just like if I live my life at a five, that's fine. Five out of 10. Yeah. My highest is like a six out of 10. But if I'm forced <laughs> to live at a two, like this is what? Come on. Like, <laughs> so that means is... the best I can do is a six, but most of the time it's a two. Like this is, someone fix these numbers. This is not right. <laughs> so this has not been a good year for you. It's been no. mostly zeros, ones, and twos. I would feel, I would feel like I had a great year before Aiden. So it wasn't I was gonna like... say, when Aiden was alive, I, w- I always say I was the happiest person ever. And how many yeah. times did I say to you, like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Yeah. You literally how said, does... I've never been happier. <laughs> like so when, more than once. How do you, when Aiden was alive, would you say you were at a six? Would you say you were at a five? Were you were at a four? Like where were you when Aiden was alive? I mean, seeing you be happy makes me happy and things were more stable like i had just started a new very good job and you were so happy and things felt normal like oh it's like okay we're we're adults now like mm-hmm. this is stable this is good you know eventually we'll even have a place and settle down and just be like okay, real people and then immediately followed by moving four or five more times and <laughs> major traumas and yeah. roller coasters of their own so yeah do you feel like this loss has changed you in any measurable sense like changed your personality changed your outlook i mean for sure i'd say something that i've dealt with just personally for a long time sort of um relates to my approach to religion Mm -hmm. and that's been a big shift um for me um both in how i approach religion and and my parents were very religious how i approach their input Mm -hmm. um when it becomes clear that I need to focus on myself to just keep myself, you know, breathing, mm-hmm. living, yeah, um, that that focus and that priority means that I'm not immediately just doing what other people say I should be doing and and just you know sort of following what external sources are saying. Yes, uh, my priorities need to be. I, it sort of snaps me back into, well, what do I need to do to get through today? Like nothing yeah. else matters. Like uh, your opinions don't matter. I love, I love what you're saying. Cause I think that's one of the things that has changed about me too. I used to be someone who was very like by the book, like, what do people say I do next? Okay. I do that. And I was happy to be doing that because whatever, like I didn't care. And then now I'm like, I will die if I don't take care of myself mm-hmm. and do what I need to do for me. 
you know, like I think you have to become kind of self-centered in a yeah. way that I think it seems like you and I were not, I think actually we're very similar. Voice. You have to listen to your inner yes. voice. Like when your inner voice is screaming, yes. you listen to it as opposed to being able to quiet it down before where you're like, well, this is what I should be doing. Yes. Well, this is what was right. So who cares what my inner voice is saying? I want to do what's right. I think a really good example, if you don't mind me sharing this, is that when we go to synagogue, like you find prayer very triggering, very, very, very triggering. And there are times where there are, um, like there's like a service for that you could say for people who died. So we do try to go to synagogue, you know, to honor Aiden in those moments and to say that prayer. But you will not go in the building until it is time for that one prayer and you leave immediately after. And that's definitely not how it was before. For sure. For sure. And even yesterday we went to synagogue and you didn't even come in the room. And I feel like, I think that's great. Like, I think it's great that you're listening to yourself. And I think it's like, I think it's been high time that you find your voice in our religion and you find a way that it works for you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of like, I'm into it. My motivation <laughs> in life prior was sort of like, if I am constantly this person who's living a life of five out of 10, that means like things are okay. You don't have to change it because maybe you'll screw it up. So just follow the status quo and do what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, well, if I'm not okay, the focus is not on keeping the way things are and how they should be. It's figuring out how to get back to Billy's being okay. That mm-hmm. becomes a priority in the moment. Very much, I am the person who is just like, oh, here's a hundred dollars. What do you do with it? Roth IRA. Great. I am That's exactly what I would do too. Grounds, yeah. Um, Judith's um, creativity. But- <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice way to put it. I also want to talk about the trauma. One thing that has changed, I know for you and for me, is how we feel about like life after living such a traumatic event. So do you want to talk about the watches? Well... <laughs> I, I like to be very thoughtful with my presents for Judith and yeah. her birthday present this year was both a watch for her and for me, a smartwatch so that we could constantly reach each other, have emergency SOS access, fall detection if something were to happen and immediately detect and call someone and theoretically go online on each other's health profiles and see if we have a pulse. <laughs> so that is definitely a new thing for us. Well, yeah, I mean, our, if you were to search through our messages, the most common word is probably you and alive. Because yeah. <laughs> I'll just text, hey, you alive? Question yeah. mark. <laughs> yes. And last Sunday I had gone away. I went to meet my sister and my mom. And I didn't tell you when I got there. And you told me that you texted my sister and asked, are you alive? And that is not something that would have happened before. You do it too. Like there are times where you don't answer. And I... What? Where am I when I'm not answering? At home. <laughs> I am I am within normally shouting distance, but my headphones are on. Yeah. So I only take my watch off when I'm But do you remember, with, like, within a week I after Aiden died, I woke up in a panic because I couldn't find you and you were in the office. I didn't know where you were. And my heart was, I mean, when I say, I literally thought you were dead. I think that beforehand you would say to me, I think you go to that isn't rational. Like, I think you tried to explain to me, like, the statistics of a healthy person just dying in their bed are really, really low. And I could maybe think about that before I go into a full-blown panic. And I don't think that's now how you respond. Now you say, like, yeah, I get it. Statistics, statistics are matter. valuable in life. Facts matter less when it's clear that the emotions override yeah. all of it. And all three of us know that you can be the bad side of the statistic, unfortunately. Yeah. It's yeah. very possible. It's very present in our lives. I'm the present. Numbers feel reassuring when you don't feel like numbers have gone out the window. For you. Exactly. Right. That's right. Okay. You want to ask about Aiden? Yeah. I'd love to 
hear a favorite memory that you have of your son, if there's one you'd like to share. I mean, I'd say it's hard because so much, I guess, my fear of babies in general and what I feel like I missed out on is that a lot of the baby processes, you don't get to see their personality. They can't tell you what they're thinking. Yeah. And they're not doing very much to show you. But towards um, the end, um, just when he started to really want to kick more on the play mess, that just <laughs> sort of felt like that was him exploring and just getting to see him like be a person. Uh-huh. So when he he liked things. the way his legs felt when they moved. He would and... love to play on the play mat that we had at my in-laws house. Um, we had one also at our apartment that made sound and he would kick it a lot. Yeah. And so it was just sweet to see like, oh, he's exploring. It's like figuring out yeah. the sounds. Watching so, him learn. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's very unfair because we didn't really get to see more. Yeah. You know, it is really unfair. It's unfair that we didn't get to see more. Yeah. 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 How was it watching me be like a mom? Because I feel like watching you be a dad was really, it was better than I expected. Well, we both knew I, you were going to be great. There was no question there. I expected you to be kind of like how you are with our niece and nephew, which I would say is at an arm's length distance. Arm's length. <laughs> and my arms are pretty long. <laughs> Yeah, I was expecting you to be like that when they were babies. Like, you were not interested in playing with them as babies. So I was, like, so pleasantly surprised when you were, like, always doing, like, little rocket ships. And, like, you were also trying to make them smile. And, like, you also, you know, you were, like, so – but, like, even more than that, you were, like – I think when I think about, like, our parenting styles, like, you were really, like, solutions-oriented. So, like, if the baby, like, was having a hard time pooping, like, you were, like, on that. You researched different things. You got him to go in different positions. You would like, you know, you were like bicycle, on it. Yeah, bicycle, bicycle case. Yeah, and I was, you know, you were like really into finding solutions to the problems. So, yeah, I guess I want to like, how was it watching me be a mom? I and how did it feel? It was no question that you're going to be a great mom. The person who said that this, like, I've never been happier is a yeah. great mom. Because regardless of how they're doing, like, you know that they're going to raise someone who's going to be happy with them. Yeah. The, the love is so obviously there and it's just so cute to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that's special about what we both, our parenting philosophy is that we both really want our kid to be like themselves. And like we both really want to support them to however they, they deserve, end up. Yeah. They deserve to be themselves. We don't have loved. like preconstructed notions of how we want them to turn out. We yeah. just want them to turn out as like themselves. Yeah. Which I think is special. Which I like about your parenting philosophy. So we'll try again, hopefully with a better outcome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me ask one more question. You okay. Yeah, we have time. Um, how do you feel about, I think this is something you and I feel really differently about, and I also think this is something that maybe our audience feels <laughs> differently about, about parenting a dead baby. I know this is something we have different philosophies about. So, like, how would you, like, what would you say your parenting philosophy is? about parenting a dead baby because you know that i think it's really important to make birthday parties and cake and talk <laughs> about him and put pictures of him everywhere i definitely am the one who pushes for like the ceremony pomp the circumstance like getting his name on things and that is not your attitude so how would you describe parenting a dead baby i feel like i'm gonna be a debbie downer about it I'm... no tell me we're allowed to have different perspectives I'm not sure that anything exists after death. And so I think a lot of what um, people do for parenting 
their babies who are no longer with them is to try and process grief or for themselves or mm -hmm. for perhaps the family that could be valuable for a family, but on an individual level, either Aiden no longer exists in any capacity or to the extent that he does, he probably doesn't need to have the most extra grave <laughs> I've ever seen with like 12 different pinwheels and little toys. Okay. But you did like the grave. When when we went for his birthday and I put all those things, you said like that was nice. It it was very sweet. So who was it, was it nice for? Tailored. Me, for you, for him? Like what did the you The sentiment and the beauty of seeing that that love continues is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Whether I don't know, Aiden, what are you how do you feel about it? <laughs> but like all of the but kind of, but You kind can of... cut out the silence and wait for him to respond. If it you is... don't believe that he's really benefiting from it, like what are the things that make you feel like you're parenting? And it's what do you it's do? motivated by your decision that that's important and also by my awareness that I don't know what things are or are not true. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's like, it doesn't hurt me. So, and I don't know, maybe this is a very beautiful thing that he appreciates. So, mm -hmm. And how did you feel about his birthday party this year? I think it was a beautiful thing. I don't know if he appreciated it or not because he hasn't told me. So, yeah. so you don't feel like you hear him when you get signs from him? <laughs> I'm laughing even at the question. <laughs> no, um, not so many dolphins in DC have surfaced. To but they'll come. Him. You know, today when I was looking at paint colors, one of them was called dolphin fin. Wow. I'm not going to tell you which one. Okay. Speaking <laughs> of paint colors, you have now seen me in action. <laughs> what Lena really wants to know is what do you think of me? What do you think of me? You hear me on the phone to yeah. your wife <laughs> all <laughs> the time. <laughs> what do you think? What does it see what does it feel like to see like me and Judith in person interacting? How do you how does it feel that I like swooped in and like painted your whole nursery? Um I think I think it's pretty funny to watch. Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm a nice person? Do you think yeah, do you and now I'm just I'm, being is, selfish? Is Tell crazy me more. An insult because like I married crazy and it's the favorite, <laughs> like my most favorite person in the world. So. I think that's true. I'm extra, extra. So what do you think of Lena? Um, I mean, it's it would be hard to call you crazy when I think you're more toned down than Judith is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like you're so normal. This is great. Um, no, but it's it's also just funny to see the ways that you are very much Judith, and then <laughs> the ways that it's just like you're Judith if she had more of my qualities. Like yeah, it's like yeah. An interesting. It's yeah. A spectrum. She's like a mix. <laughs> yeah. She's like a mix of us. The three of us went to Ikea, and Judith was so stressed out because she does not like Ikea. I hate it. But the two of us, we love, Judith's husband and I love Ikea, and the two of us were like having a grand old time, and Judith was so was stressed out. I was like, how about living there? I hate that place. Well, I mean, we're saying the same thing. We're both like, look at all the options, and you're like, look at all the options. Yeah. Do you think, do you feel like grateful that Alina has come into our lives so yeah. she can support me? More, more people in the circle, the better. I mean, it's good to have nice friends who you can be there with and yeah. help support each other. He's not the type to like say I really like you, but I think he really likes you because I've seen him with a lot of my friends <laughs> and he doesn't often opt to spend an hour with us. Just talking. <laughs> this, is this is true. I actually think that Alina is the most your type of friend out of all of my friends. Um, maybe. I think that's not a coincidence because I think you are a little bit different, right? Yes. Like with the loss. 
Yes. You know, and so like I'm the, one of the friends that you've made since the loss. Yeah. So it makes sense that I would be a little bit different. And you are very different, Judith, from all of my other friends. Yes. As and you well. are very different from all my other friends as well. So I would not be surprised that my husband finds you the easiest to get along with because I would say that most of my friends, if I am like there's a spectrum mm-hmm. and my husband's on one side of the spectrum, Alina's in the middle and I'm on the other side, my friends are even more on the other side. <laughs> you know what I mean? My friends are further and further and further on the Judith side yeah yeah They're, so you're like definitely the closest I think that you and your friend group would get along with his friend group yeah you guys play like board games or whatever <laughs> <laughs> all right well anything else that either of you would like to share before we anything cut the else you want to share thank you for having me on your internationally successful podcast thank you are you going to listen to this episode uh, no <laughs> he does not listen to one episode but it, he says he listens to them live <laughs> Because he listens to You listen to half of it live. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I have live. front row tickets, live shows. <laughs> I hear the behind the scenes. You uh, hear the postmortem. The future, what, Patreon content? What's next? Oh my gosh. Thank you, honey, for being on the podcast. I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, we appreciate you and coming I really, on. Really, I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you, Aiden's mom. Yeah, thank you, Aiden's dad. All right. I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else. Well, we have to say one more thing. Sorry, one more thing. Okay, go ahead. I think we should share um, the story. Um, like after he died that morning, do you remember what happened when we were we went we were allowed back in our room? And I remember so distinctly, like it it, it was like every I don't know he, he was just dead. Like he hadn't been dead for a few hours. And I looked at you and I was like, "What are we gonna do? Do you remember?" I was like, "What are we gonna do?" And you're like, we're still going to be happy. Like, we're just going to keep walking towards happiness until we get there. Like, we're still going to do this. I feel like we've really held true to that. Like, we are determined to find it's happiness. It's become a bit of a mantra for us to yeah. remind ourselves. That we're walking towards it. Yeah. Together. As long Together. as we're living. As long as we're living. We're going to do it. So okay, sweet. that's all the story I want to share. All right. Thank you, Bye-bye. everybody, for listening. To all of our wonderful new friends, we want to hear from you. Email us at aslongasimlivingpodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at As Long As I'm Living Podcast. We'll get back to you as soon as our grieving brains allow. Yay!